Feels so good. Out here in Mountain, it's a real good morning. I bet these birds gobbled probably right. close to a hundred times. Tater rocking season, boys. So, we got another episode here. This is going to be a great episode right here, guys. I got um Mike Pitts on, and he's a local guy. He works with Realtree. Um, he's a fireman. He just does a lot of stuff with them and kills a lot of deer and kills a lot of turkeys. And some of y'all might know him, especially if y'all are from around here and or if y'all are in Georgia, y'all might know mike he um he does a lot of the funny type videos um just trying to bring the lighter side to it you know and have fun with it but uh aside from that i wanted to give a huge shout out to our listeners kind of in on a broader scale though um we've got a lot of listeners from a lot of other countries um and that's just awesome We've got listeners from Australia, Spain, um, England. Uh, there's just so many. Uh, let's see, which ones? Uh, Germany. Uh, we got listeners from. Where else am I thinking of? Gosh, um, Canada. There's just there's a lot of listeners out there listening to the show, and we really appreciate that. And uh, also uh, listening in from the mainland um we got listeners in from georgia all the way to california um we got listeners in illinois we got listeners in texas um, listeners in new york um probably i would say maybe 20 in between 20 to 25 states we have listeners in so that's great and uh, we really really appreciate that and while y'all are listening if you're listening to us on itunes stitcher anchor wherever you're listening to us at if there's an option to give a rating and a review we would really like for you to do that and when you do that it allows our podcast to be able to reach out to even more people more people can see us that way so we're going to go ahead and get right into this show and let y'all know this podcast is brought to you by onyx hunt maps if you don't have onyx Y'all need to get it because they're legit. They can do just about anything and everything with a map. You can put filters on there. You can add a topo filter over a hybrid map where you can see the terrain. You can see who owns the land. You can see if it's government property. It's great for public land because you can also put a filter on there that tells you what's huntable and what's not huntable on public ground. So check out on X. You won't be disappointed, and let's get to the show. All right, everybody. Now we got Mike Pitts on here. Great guest, Mike. What's up, man? Man, it's another day in paradise. I can't complain. Nobody listen anyhow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so for anybody out there that don't know who Mike Pitts is, love, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, how you know, what's your story? How'd you get into hunting and all that stuff? Yeah. Oh, you know, basically how I got in the hunting industry and all was, uh, I was, you know, I'm a full-time fireman and all firemen have second jobs and I was doing a lot of farming and, uh, T-Bone actually used to work on my bows and all and he had a person that left and he had asked me, he said, man, you want to come to work here or whatever, you know, that kind of deal and I said, well, what you paying? And he told me what he was paying, and it was $2 more than I was making at the farm, and I got to sit in the air conditioning, so I signed up. 
So, you know, I started working on boats <laughs> with T-Bone about 15 years ago, and uh, basically T-Bone was tied into all the real tree crowd and that kind of deal. So, you know, I eventually started helping him out with air bows and got to meet him coming in and out of the store all the time and just built, built a good relationship with real tree and all. And, you know, Travis has now moved up to the bone collector scene, and, you know, he's traveling so much and so busy that he really didn't have time to fool with a lot of it. So I had taken over a lot of the real tree stuff and that kind of deal. And one thing just led to another and, you know, got more and more involved, you know, each year and this and that kind of developed to where it is, is today, you know, just doing, doing a lot of stuff with them. Uh, you know, I, I guess I'm a man of many hats. I, I'm a full-time fireman. I own my own bow shop and, and, do a lot with real tree as well, so it keeps me busy. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, which I mean, I know you're a fireman. I mean, we've known we've known each other for quite some time. Um, Absolutely. Back in the back in the gun country days. And, oh uh, yeah. Because yeah, and uh, they, uh, I sure do miss that miss that store, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. we've known about you. You've known us for quite some time, and um, that's what I was going to say on here too. You know, I really appreciate you working for the fire department and appreciate oh, your yeah. service. I think I feel like, you know, firemen—they're just—they're just like the police, and they're—I mean, they're—they're they're just as important as our military, in my opinion, because I mean, it's a public service that y'all are providing, and just really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you. You're welcome, man. Yeah, my brother, which you know, my brother, he works for the fire yeah. department too, and uh, Peyton, Peyton works for the fire department. That's uh, right. Y'all have to it, do a lot a of stuff. It's a good job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's a great job if you like to hunt and fish because you do get a good bit of time off. So, you know, that, that's yeah, that is perks right. of it for sure because we work for 24 hours on 48 off. So. You know, most of the time we're just working two days a week. Of course, those can be rough two days, but, you know, you do get a lot of free time, and if you like to hunt and fish and being outdoors, it's a great job to have. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, So we're going to kick this off right here, Mike, with a, a rapid-fire Q&A. Oh, Lord. And uh, you just give me a uh, quickest answer. And if you don't, I mean, if you if it has to... Like, if you have to elaborate, that's fine. Yeah. But, okay. uh, all right, here we go. And these are not related whatsoever to hunting. Some, some of them might be, but most of them are not. <laughs> They're just completely uh, random. Okay. Um, uh, Crocs or tennis shoes? Crocs. I've got them on right. now. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh, do, do you, do you do the, do, I don't know if you've seen that, that picture. It's floating around Facebook for a while. You know, you got your, your two wheel drive and then you got your four wheel drive. You got the grips on it and all that. that. <laughs> I haven't seen that one yet. There's a picture. There's a picture I saw. I can't remember. It was on some Facebook post. And if you got uh -huh. all the grip, the big grips on the bottoms and then you got the, 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 you know, you got some crowds that are like real slick and they ain't got a bunch of crap oh, on the bottom. Yeah, That's two yeah, of the yeah. You gotta lock them in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I and that, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah. That's, it's like, uh, the ones that I so say you got your forward drive and then if you take your strap and put it around your ankle, that's that's your off road that, package. Right that's there. it. That's your off road package. <laughs> I've got some with an off road, uh, sole on them actually. They, they're, yeah. they're heavy duty. They, they're for mud yeah. logging for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, uh, plain milk or chocolate milk? Plain. Nice. Uh, I love some milk. Um, I do too. I mean, I think this answer is going to be pretty obvious, but uh, gun or bow? Bow. All day long. <laughs> yeah. Um, turkey or deer? Whoa, you stumped me there. Both. <laughs> I like answer. both equally. I like both equally. Everybody always says, you know, you know, turkey or deer, and I can't make a. I, my answer is always both. I want, I want it I, all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, last one. 
favorite biscuit? Cathead. <laughs> Homemade cathead. You can't go wrong with that. Uh, That's it. Yeah. A lot of a lot of folks might not know what a cathead biscuit is, but uh oh, that might that, be a, that might be a deep south tradition right there. You could you could just about make a whole podcast on cathead biscuits. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you can't beat it and you can't find it at any chain store. There's no. nothing that compares to it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um Well uh so I guess we'll get on here and we're gonna talk about some deer. Um, I'm all about that. What um, what are what are you got planned right now? You got any kind of special plans for this deer season, or? Uh, basically a little bit changing for me this year. Uh, Realtree's just launched an app uh called Realtree 365. It's an app you can get on your phone or on your smart TV or any kind of Apple TV, Hulu, any kind of those Fire Stick devices or whatever. And basically what they're doing there is they're going to have a bunch of shows and they're going to start up a new show. It's going to be with, uh, myself, Roger Culpepper and Tyler Jordan called Whitetail TV. And it's going to be a show that's kind of based around the, you know, south around our general area locally. Uh, and it's going to be like a weekly show to where you're weekly updated to what everything's going on. So you can actually follow it like a series. Uh, it's not going to be like a TV show where the kills might have happened last year or whatnot when they're aired. It'll be a weekly uh, posting of everything that's going on throughout the season. So that being said, I'm not traveling this year. I'll be staying here, and we'll be filming for that Whitetail TV. And uh, I think it's going to end up being a really fun gig, you know, uh, just a local show. It's going to show everything from day-to-day stuff. It'll be more of a re- reality-based deal being, you know, none of it scripted. Everything's just, you know, kind of goes with the flow. Uh, there'll be a lot of tips, you know, a lot of, you know, basically somebody can follow it. Like, you know, if we were on a deer week before, you know, it, it draws people back going, hey, I wonder if Tyler's going to kill this deer this week or whatever. So it's going to be different than anything else that's out there. Uh, but that Real Tree 365 app is going to have a lot of stuff. They, they, they're doing, uh, there'll be about four deer hunting shows. They're going to have a, uh, Duck hunting show, they've got the Spring Thunder, which will be on there, and it's all a digital series. It's like a Netflix. You click on it, and it brings up all kind of different stuff you can watch. They've teamed up with Bill Winky and kind of running that digital platform, which a lot of people are doing now because everybody's carrying cell phones and this and that with them and can watch shows actually through that. So this Realtree 365 app is going to be a big deal, and it'll be a lot of enjoyment and have a lot of versatility to it as far as what you watch. So it's going to be a cool deal, so I'm going to be staying local this year and having fun around town. Nice, nice, yeah. I I'm t- I tell you, man, I, I love the, the fact that you can uh, you can get on your phone and pretty much, I mean, it's pretty much hunting on demand now. and. Uh, Exactly. You can, uh, you know, there's tons of content out there now for people to watch, and I, I like it. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people are starting to go to that digital content just because everybody's got cell phones with them or a computer with them, or like I say, you can get a lot of this stuff through your smart TVs. You can download the app, or if you got a Fire Stick or whatever, you can get it through there. So. You know, it's a lot of innovative stuff that's going on in the outdoor industry now, as far as the shows and where you can see them and, you know, because a lot of people aren't home as much nowadays. You know, they're on the road or, yeah. you know, traveling or whatever, and you can just pick your phone up or set your computer up and watch all the hunting you want to nowadays. So it, it's going to be it's going to be neat to see what, you know, shows do and develop into and where they start popping up at now. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, so this – uh this picture of this deer that's going to be on the uh, the Facebook link for this episode. Um, uh-huh. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about that deer, like the story behind that that hunt yeah. there. Yeah, uh, that deer was a well known deer. We had had a lot of encounters with him. Uh, 
you know, years before, been watching him, you know, since he was two and a half year old. We've got countless of, of time of video exposure with him. And he had developed into a really unique deer. He was probably the biggest body deer we had on the farm. Uh, he had a double throat patch, uh, which was very unique. You don't see that a whole lot. Uh, he had a lot of kickers and trash around his base area, just really gnarly deer. And uh, so we'd had a lot of history with him and a lot of encounters with years before and that kind of stuff. And he was six-and-a-half-year-old deer. And so we decided it was time to get him. And I had about four deer on the hit list in that one area. And, you know, I just decided, hey, the first one that comes by, you know, we're, we're going to take it. And he ended up coming out real early that evening. Uh, it was a couple hours before dark. We hadn't been in the stand but about an hour. And he came in, and we were set up right over a persimmon tree. And he dialed in, went right over there, and, got some persimmons, and, you know, we watched him feed for a little while, and he pulled out to leave, and we ended up putting a good shot on him and getting him down. But he, it's always neat to me to have a history with a deer, and that's why I like hunting locally a lot is because, you know, it's deer you've seen in years past. It's deers you've had a lot of encounters with. It's deer you're watching grow. And it just makes for that much better experience when you do take an animal like that because there's a history behind it. And, you know, you've been watching him grow for years and years. And, you know, when he turns five and a half, six and a half years old, you're ready to kill him. It just, it means a lot more to me doing it that way. Yeah, yeah. I I tell you, man, I, I really, <clears throat> and everybody that listens to this podcast, they've heard me talk about it probably too many times already but uh, I hunted a big deer a couple of years ago and I built up a little bit of history with him and he I mean I never did kill him but right but in doing so and hunting him it just it made me want to do it again with another deer and find another deer to hunt right try to figure out there's just oh, something yeah. about about chasing them and figuring that one deer out there's no there's no doubt about that and all deer have different personalities it, it's crazy some deer are more of a home-based deer some deer travel more you know and, and so it's neat to kind of I, I hate to say it but develop a relationship to where with these animals that way you kind of you kind of know hey this deer very seldomly shows up over here or whatever this is a deer we see every day out of here you start learning you spend so much time with them almost, you start picking out little characteristic traits of, you know, how they operate, how they travel, how they come in, where they're bedding. And it takes a lot of time to figure a lot of that stuff out. A lot of people have, you know, told me in the past, of, you know, a lot of people that have been very successful in the hunting industry that if you get new land, it usually takes you a minimum of about three years to figure the land out, and figure the deer out, and figure the travel corridors and this and that. So, you know, anytime you take on land and new deer and all, it's just a, it, it's an interesting process to follow it all and learn the terrain and the deer. And I, I think that's why I enjoy it so much. You know, it's always changing. Deer, new deer coming in, learning their personalities, what they do, when they do it. So it definitely makes you a, a better hunter to hunt deer consistently and, you know, learn their traits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gosh, I'm sorry. I, I kind of drew a blank there for a second because I was, I do I was thinking about <laughs> I was thinking about all kind of stuff because uh, – uh, we're just winging it on this episode, and uh, I was thinking, because um, I, I was wanting to really kind of talk to you about hunting Georgia, um, right? Which I kind of right. it kind of seems like that's been the theme last couple of episodes, uh, right? We did an episode last week um, with some guys that are up in uh, Illinois, and they hunt up in the Midwest, and we did a lot of talking right. about. Um, yeah, comparing Midwest to the South, and um, yeah, what's uh, what would be one thing if you if you could pinpoint one thing? What do you think it would be that say Georgia is lacking for 
really great deer, I guess. You know, I, I don't know what it is, and that's kind of an age-old, you know, argument of, about, you know, a, a lot of what's going on is the genetics with the deer, because, you know, being here, any, anybody from our area knows where the Chattahoochee River is, and it separates Georgia from Alabama, and you've actually got two separate deer herds on either side of the river. And they come from different places, you know, and that's another argument or podcast within itself, where the deer ended up coming in from and all. Most people will tell you the Georgia deer are based out of Wisconsin and were put in from there and anything. But, you know, that, that's a whole other story. But, you know, the deer are so much different on either side of the river from Georgia to Alabama because our rut is typically like a Midwest rut. But usually start, you start seeing some pre-rut late October and then, you know, full rut first, second week of November kind of deal. But over in Alabama, you know, you've got a totally different trait to where sometimes it's late December, uh, early January before they even start seeing a pre-rut. In fact, Alabama just extended their season a couple of years ago because a lot of times, you really didn't get to see much of the rut because it was so late. Sometimes it won't start till mid to late January, just depending on the situation. So, you know, one thing, you know, that that we're lacking on, I don't know if it's really that we're lacking on it versus it's just the different genetic of deer that, you know, and like you were talking about earlier, everywhere you go, it, it's different hunting scenarios and almost different deer personalities because you know around us you know as well as i know these deer are super jittery you know they're on defcon 5 half the time and you know they they'll want to jump your string they're more like a texas-based deer but you go to the midwest and you don't deal with that as much they're more laid back calmer you know i've been in the midwest before and a deer looks up at you and i'm going this is over you know he's about to leave and blow and the whole bust the whole woods up and hunts over you know, and then they just put their head back down and go on to feeding. They're just more of a laid-back animal around that, you know, territory to me. And then you go to Texas, and their deer are more skittish than our deer are. So I, I don't, I don't really know as is if we're lacking anything uh, other than it's just different territorial and different gene pools that are in different areas. Uh, you know, definitely around us, you know. It's weird the way it follows because you've got Florida people that come up into us chasing our deer, and then we're going to the Midwest chasing their deer, and it almost works its way up the state. It's just it's just kind of weird, but I don't know if anybody's really lacking anything as much as it's just a geographical and genetic, you know, deal. I, I don't know what you, what are your thoughts on it, you know, as far as all that goes. I I think I mean I think that's kind of really the same way I feel. Um, if if I had to say one thing, I mean I think we may not have as great a quality of food as the Midwest does. If and I yeah, think that would maybe right be the there. only thing. Yeah, you're definitely um, right there because you know you get in the Midwest and you primarily see soybean and uh, corn, you know, growing by the thousands and thousands of acres and around here you know our soil is less rich you know we have droughts so you know i agree with you there you know sometimes our weather soil and that kind of stuff we don't have as much food as they do up north so you know yeah that's typical but a lot of people around here it costs a lot of money to do it but we'll feed protein year round you know and i've seen millions of dollars pumped into farms around here you know, and, and they're living the best they can live in our environment. And you can grow, you know, 180-inch deer. You know, every year around us, around here, you'll hear of 180, 190-inch deer getting killed. So there are big deer down here in this area. But, you know, lots of times they're hanging around farms that are, you know, soybean, corn, uh you know, it's just, I agree with you, the food source is, is a major component, uh, you know, but a lot of people put the protein to them around here. It's what makes me go more towards the genetic deal. Uh, yeah. But the colder weather up there in the Midwest puts a lot more body size on them. They got a bigger fat layer and they got more food content. So 
you know, where one of our mature bucks, you know, on the hoof is weighing 200 pounds, the Midwest, he's weighing 300 pounds up there just yeah. due to the different, the different climate, the different, you know, food sources and everything else. So, you know, I think there's a genetic strain that separates a lot of these deer as well as food sources and weather. I think it's a lot of stuff combined just into one. You know, I don't think you can pinpoint yeah. one specific area. Yeah, I mean, and that's you. You said it too. Like just just based off of biology, <laughs> the bigger the body of the deer. I mean, scientifically speaking, they're usually going to have a bigger rack anyway. Um, that, that's right. And, that's right. Now, and they have to, they like deer up there. They're supposed to be bigger, but and like you right. said, because of the, the because of the winters and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I mean, it's just like a cow. You know, the colder the weather, the more <clears throat> they feed, and you know. So, you know, up, up, up in your Midwest areas, you got a lot cooler climate, so the deer are forced to feed a little bit more and all that kind of stuff, which is developing the fat layers and the body size and all that kind of stuff. I think it's just genetics, climate, all that kind of stuff. But we do have some pretty big deer around here. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. I, it, it's a fun place to hunt. You know, you're... You're not going to walk out here like the Midwest and get a chance at 150, 60-inch deer down here like you do up there. But, you know, we've still got some good hunting around our area. Uh, to, to, to me, you know, if you can kill a deer around this area, you know, it, it's, it's very prideful, especially with archery equipment because our deer can be super finicky as, as far as the hunting pressure down here. There's a lot more hunting pressure, I think, in the – southeast than there is in, in any other area in fact i was doing a podcast uh, last week and it, it was from some people up in the midwest area and you know i was talking about hunting clubs and they said what you know what's a hunting club we hear about this stuff but don't yeah. actually know about it because their land didn't pressure like that there's an abundance of land and it, it's a total different mentality up there you know up there you can go door to door and knock and ask to hunt you know, and, and lots of people will let you hunt as to where down here, you go door to door around here, you might get met with a shotgun. So, you yeah. know, <laughs> the, the, there, it, it's, it's a total different, you know, kind, kind of hunting and different territories and, you know, that kind of deal. It, it's, it's different once you get out and traveling and hunting in different locations. It's just crazy how, you know, not only the deer are different, but the people are different. And there's different hunting tactics that go on. And, you know, up in the Midwest, I feel totally confident rattling and grunting and doing all that because they respond to it well. But down here in the southeast, kind of, I'm a little hesitant to doing it because our deer are super sketchy. So, yeah. you know, it's just different territories. I don't think you can pinpoint anything, you know, drastically to feature yeah. tactics or anything because it varies so much to each different geographical area you go uh, as far as how you do things. So not to say anything's right or wrong in each different territory. It's just what you're dealt more than anything. But yeah, yeah, a lot of areas, like you say, you know, up in the Midwest, they got a lot, lot more food, a lot colder weather, so you're going to develop a lot bigger deer. And you know, I've even read studies. You were talking about, you know, the 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 different protein levels growing the big racks and all. And you know, we're surrounded right here by two universities that do a lot with wildlife research, as far as Georgia and Alabama. I mean, uh, Auburn, excuse me. And, you know, I've read articles from both places talking about does, you know, the protein help the deers rack out more or minerals. And they've actually done studies to where they divide them and do the minerals here and the protein over there. And the conclusions basically came to, you know, there, there's no statistical evidence that minerals are making a deer's rack any bigger. And most people think the more protein they get, the healthier their body is, and the bigger their rack gets. So, you know, everybody's got their own different theories about everything. And, you know, if you read a lot of magazines and articles here and there, you end up almost getting lost as to what you're thinking. But, you know, yeah. it, 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 um, can get, it can get weird. Yeah. 
Now, I will say we actually did a podcast with uh, Charlie Killmaster, the Georgia State mm-hmm. deer biologist, with the DNR. Uh-huh. And, uh, right. That's what he was talking about was the deer that got imported in. They they did mm-hmm. the three the three main areas where they came from was Georgia, Wisconsin, and Texas. And uh, right, and they came they came throw Virginia in the mix. <clears throat> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean they know, they brought in deer from other spots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, but, uh, it, it's it, it's different, you know, the just different breeds, and and you can definitely tell it when you get out and hit the road. You know, Texas are super sketchy, and they got a will to live. I mean, you know, I've seen deer, you know, throttled out there to where you couldn't point your finger in a better spot to shoot them, and they will tote it for a mile before they fall dead. You know, it, it's interesting yeah. when you get out on the road and hunting different kind of deer. Uh, it's definitely interesting learning the different characteristics of them because the way yeah. they are here, they're not in the Midwest, they're not in Texas. It's totally different hunting styles. Yeah, we were, we did a – actually, we did a, the podcast when you were talking about the differences. The guys were talking about hunting clubs. You know, they didn't know what they were, mm-hmm. but we were talking about right. the guys up in the Midwest that we did a podcast with um, – we were talking about, um, gosh, what was I going to say? Um, we're talking about like how thick it is down here. And, uh, yes. which I, I actually think, I mean, I think it's now if you go by summertime, mm-hmm. it's probably, I mean, there's spots up there that are just as thick as they are down here. Um, right. And it, and it does seem like, with as much timber and cover that we got, it does seem like that we got mm-hmm. a lot of food. But I was listening right. to um, what was I listening to? It was a biologist at uh, Mississippi State University, mm-hmm. and uh, they got right. their own podcast, and they uh-huh. did a um, study talking about how the summertime. Like, I ain't no biologist by no means, so I, I ain't gonna use the right words, but. Uh, Basically, what basically what they came to a conclusion was there's really not a whole lot of food for deer, even and this was aside from soybean fields and corn fields in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even even up there, like in the woods and down here, there's once it gets to this time of the year, like late like June and late July and August, there's really mm-hmm. not a whole lot of food for deer. Because the trees right. have have already they're done growing basically, and they're already right. they're already getting into that mindset of okay I'm, I need to start getting ready for winter time. So they're done yeah. all the all the browse in the woods is just done sending nutrients to the leaves that the deer are gonna eat. So yeah, yeah I, I just thought either. that was pretty cool. Yeah, and, and a lot of a lot of times, a lot of people don't think too. You know, early spring, everything's just blooming and coming out, and it's more tender and palatable to them. And as the summer goes long, it just gets tougher and tougher and tougher, you know, for them to eat. So you'll start seeing that trend of I'll even see it with like protein early in the spring and stuff like that. They don't feed on the protein feed as much because they're eating a lot of this natural browse that's just budding and real tender. But as you start getting to now towards the late summertime and that natural browse is toughened up, you know, kind of they start coming back to the protein a little bit more, you know. So it's kind of kind of weird to see that. Like you're saying, you know, the the browse they start pulling off of it a little bit this time of the year and start gearing up for a different you know, type of food. So, you know, yeah. it, it's weird because during deer season around here, you know, deer will change feeding patterns several times during the year because, you know, right when bow season comes in in early to mid-September, they're really targeting these fruit trees like, you know, your your persimmons, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff, pears, apples, whatever everybody's got. And then once all that's dropped, you know, they kind of, they kind of start, you know, gearing in for, you know, basically they'll, your acorns will start dropping usually then around here. So they'll switch over and start feeding on acorns and all that. And it's a totally different path of travel for them. So what's working early season, 
when they get on the acorns, it changes. And then once all the acorns are eaten up, they'll start hitting food plots, you know, in, in those areas, you know. So it's weird how many times a, a deer's path might change throughout the season. So you gotta, you gotta kind of stay keen on what they're feeding on throughout that time and set up accordingly. Cause lots of times I might move a stand three or four different times. I might have it on a persimmon tree for early season and then move to a good oak bottom mid-season, and then late season I'm setting up on food plots. So it's like you say, they get in different mindsets of different feed patterns all the time. Yeah. Now, you've you've hunted up in the Midwest a pretty good bit. Do you think think there's more acorns here or, or is there more acorns up there? You know, the terrain's a, a lot different in the Midwest. You know, of course, it's not a natural food source. You know, it's not any kind of food source to white-tailed deer. But, you know, you don't see the pine trees and stuff like that as, as much out here. You don't see as many trees, period, up in those areas because of the fact that it's mainly built around agriculture. So, you know, a lot of the stuff you see wooded-wise up there, fingers and stuff, I would say you definitely got more oaks around this area, you know, acorns and that kind of stuff around us, just because there's not as much woods in the Midwest because everybody's wanting pasture land to plant these right. corn and these, you know, soybeans and all like that. When I first started going to the Midwest, you know, I, I was up there just kind of learning how the deer were and all, and They'd be saying, yeah, there's a bunch of deer bedded up right over there. Well, coming from the south, I'm used to tons of, you know, wooded areas and all. And up there, you might have a, you might have a giant buck that's tied up in just a half an acre wooded patch, you know, so, and they'll, they'll lay down and bed just little gullies where no trees are or whatever. So, you know, it's totally different when you, when you start getting in that area, there's not as many trees up there that you're dealing with just due to all the agriculture. So, yeah, I'd definitely say you got a lot more acorns down here just because we got more timber and wooded areas around around us. Yeah, I I think uh, that's probably that's probably what makes them so tough to hunt down here. I think, especially yeah. if you get a if you get a year where there's a, a ton of acorns. Falling, especially mm-hmm. if you get a ton yeah. of if you get a ton of white oaks dropping, right, right, it makes it it makes it pretty tough. Yeah, because there's no pattern to them; they're just bouncing around from tree to tree. Now, if you've got one yeah. sole tree in an area that's bearing, you know, you've got the money. You know, you're in the chips right there uh, because mm-hmm. they're going to beeline that one tree. But like you say, when you get a bunch of them dropping in one area. It's just hard to pattern them and hard to hunt them. You just kind of got to hope they drift within your your area to where you can make a shot. So, yeah, you know, it can be tough around here because of the abundance of food, even though it's a different time when you're when you're up there in in the Midwest area, you pretty much know pretty quickly where a certain deer is bedding from. And from afar, you can glass them and watch them, you know, their paths of travel and kind of go in there and set up on them because there will, there, there will be somewhat of a pattern to them a lot of times because they're going from bedding area and usually entering the food source within a certain area. But around here, you know, they'll just meander a lot. You know, they're just, especially in a big oak bottom or whatever. As to where when they go to the feed source up in the Midwest, sometimes they take the same entry point to a certain field or whatever. But around here, typically they won't do that. They're just scattered around. Right, right. Um, well, we're running along pretty good here. Uh, I was kind of, let's, let's kind of switch it up a little bit here and we'll talk a little bit about, um, uh, bows. Yeah. Um, I guess since that's kind of what you, uh, it's kind of what you do for your side gig. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, so, I guess it's August. It's the first of August, so we got basically mm-hmm. a month left, and it's going to be time to get in the tree. That's uh, right. Down here, anyway, in the south, in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what is, like, if you were 
talking to somebody around there. Say you had a customer or something come in, and he was like, look, I need what do I need to know, what I need to do to get ready and be ready for deer season. Right. And lots of times it's more simpler than a lot of people think, you know, with archery equipment. Uh, you know, a lot of people think it's tough and it's hard to do and it's hard to learn. And it's really not as hard as a lot of people think it is. You know, you can take somebody that's never shot a bow before and within a couple hours have have them hitting, you know, a small pie plate at 20 yards every time. So I think a lot of people get discouraged and don't try with archery because they figure it's a lot tougher. But, you know, uh, it's very easy to get into a good setup. And you can find a lot of affordable setups out there now that come in package deals. And, you know, you can buy that at a reasonable price and get out there and start practicing. You know, as long as you practice a month or two before season and have a high level of confidence, you can go straight to the woods. So, you know, a lot of people get discouraged with the archery stuff. But, you know, once they get into it and figure out, and hey, I can do this and, you know, a, a lot of what I teach people in the archery world is archery makes you so much of a better hunter because of the fact that you've got to get so much closer to that animal. So you got to study them. you got to watch wind direction. you got to watch this and that. So archery actually makes you a better hunter because you've got to close that gap from 200 yards to 30 yards. And you got to pay a lot more attention to their travel routes and where your stand is and where the wind's blowing. And you got to be very precise. So it's a very easy thing to get into, and folks can start with a reasonably priced setup and go go right into the woods. So, you know, basically, you know, your experienced hunters might come in and drop $2,500 on a bow rig, but you can come in and get a good, reliable setup that you can hunt with for, you know, 600 to $700, and that's including everything. So, you know, I, basically, I just like to bring, you know, newer people into the archery you know, and yeah. get them ready and rolling. Yeah, I and I uh I love I love shooting a bow, man. It's it's uh it's fun. Like, is there any like uh, any kind of tips? I guess uh, like what's your like when you're out there practicing? What is your process like? How do you go about? I mean, there's I guess everybody's got their different process when they're practicing. Some people like to start. At longer distance, and then go to t- yeah. go keep shooting to twenty, and some people mm-hmm. like to start at twenty and work their way to fifty. Uh, right. So how do you like? What do you? How do you go about practicing? Uh preseason, I'm usually shooting at longer distances a lot, uh, just because of the fact that's what brings out all your flaws. And you know, if you're an inch off at twenty yards, you're you can be a foot off, you know, back at sixty, seventy yards. So, you know, I, I I just like to to practice at longer yardages. Plus, if you're shooting at 70, 80 yards and practicing, you step up to 20, that little dot turns into a basketball. So, you know, it makes yeah. you a little bit more confident with your close-up shots when you practice a lot at longer yardages. Uh, just a simple, you know, thing that, that I was doing the other day, you know, I was shooting back at 70, 80 yards and, my arrows kept drifting about a foot left, and I couldn't figure out what I was doing or what was going on. I put my bow down that day and just said, I'm probably tired, you know, this and that. I'll come back out tomorrow. And I came back out the next day, and same thing, my arrow was drifting about a foot left or whatever at the 80-yard mark. And come to find out, it was simply just my bubble white level. I My bow was not perfectly vertical. And I was canting it a little bit, which was causing that air to drift off. And once I put my bubble back in the middle, I started a good impact again. So shooting at longer distance can point out your flaws and make you a better shooter all around to where if I was at 20 yards, I might only been miss- missing it an inch or two to the left and might have not really keyed on that I had an issue going on. So definitely y'all, longer yardage will make you a better shooter. So I shoot a lot at long yardage early season. And then once season comes on in, lots of times I'm just practicing, you know, at 30, 40, 50 yards a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me see. I was, I, I, I drew a blank again. 
<laughs> you and um, me on the same team. I do that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, golly. What? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, now, it, I think I, one thing I like to do um, is when I'm out there practicing, I, I always kind of – I start at like 40 and 50, and that's kind of my uh-huh. – I guess my base. Go-to comfort and, uh, zone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And, uh, but once I, once I get to where I know I'm hitting pretty good at all the distances from 20 to 60, I mean, most of the time I'm not going, I know I'm not going to shoot anything past 40. I mean, cause right. that's, which I mean, most of the time you can't shoot nothing past 40 because you, I mean, you're going to be in the woods and they just, you just ain't got a shot at 60. Exactly. Um, but I like to, one thing I like to do is I like to shoot, like, based off of the angle that I'm going to be shooting at a deer most of the time. Like, I'll, I'll sometimes yeah. practice quarter and two shots, and I might practice quarter and away shots. Um, and a lot of, like, that's, that's one thing I'll say is what you want to do with that is you always want to make sure you're aiming, not aiming at the spot of the exit wound, but Always right. thinking about where that air is going to come out at, whatever angle no, you're shooting. No doubt. No doubt. Um, yeah, a lot of people, you know, and that's a lot of things people don't do is, like you're saying, uh, approaching from a different angle. You know, it's always good, you know, before season to go ahead and get up in a stand and practice from that elevated position as well. Because lots of times people kind of, kind of develop different tendencies when they're up in a tree stand and you know I, i've had people tell me before man i'm dead on target you know when i'm at ground level but when i get up in a tree stand i'm an inch or two off here or there or whatever so that's a good thing you need to find out before season you know is, is your different point of impacts because you know something's right up under you of course you got to aim a little bit low you know to kind of counteract you know all that uh, geographical math mumbo jumbo that I don't understand, but you know if something's directly up under you. You need to know, hey, I need to aim a couple inches lower than where my pin set at twenty to make this shot count. So definitely try different things. You know, shoot from elevated, shoot from ground, shoot from you know long distance. And everybody's like, you know, like you say, hey, everybody's got their own routine. They do, but a lot of things, you know, people people don't pick up on or know or think of that, you know, they hear on a podcast like this and go, hey, I need to do that. So, you know, it's always good to to definitely practice it, different kind of conditions for sure. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, well, Mike, I think we can uh, kind of go ahead and start wrapping it up. Um, if you want, actually, I was going to say too, let everybody know because you do you do a lot of, of funny videos. I don't know. We, I meant to yeah. talk about that, but the beginning. Um, yeah. But you do yeah. a lot of like funny videos and stuff like that. So let let everybody know where they can find all that at. <laughs> yeah, basically, uh, it was something we started through Realtree a few years ago. Just kind of, we, we actually, you know, it was kind of back when Emory King kind of got popular, and you know, he was kind of doing some comedy skits and stuff, and kind of kind of kind of joshing with this group or that group and we kind of thought about bringing it in the hunting industry and kind of doing some little short videos like that funny little comedy skits and that sort of thing so we 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 did that and Realtree was using it through their social media pages uh you know as far as Instagram goes and Facebook goes and they would post it on their YouTube channel but now what they're going to do with this Realtree 365 app, they got a thing called Pit Stop, which has got a bunch of the comedy stuff all there that you can just watch, you know, pick on different ones and watch them. So they'll be on the Realtree 365 app now, and they'll be adding a few here and there. And I think there's about maybe 15, 16, something like that on there right now that you can look at. But, you know, it came out as just short little things to put on social media and, that sort of thing and YouTube and now with this new app you can go in there and you know find all the stuff there too so it was just a fun little thing you know to make things lighthearted, that kind of deal and the, the crazy thing is is a lot of people 
think that I'm being serious. Like, I, there, there was one we did on fanning turkeys, you know, who would want to fan turkeys and that sort of thing. And people were going, man, I like to fan turkeys. I don't know. It, it, the thing is, I'm guilty of doing everything we bashed on except for CrossFit. So, you know, basically we're taking whatever's <laughs> popular out there and just putting a funny, funny spin on it. But there's a lot of people out there that were taking us serious. We did one on uh, nobody needs to shoot those. You know, I don't shoot those. You know, that's for this, that's for that. But in all actuality, I kill a lot of those just for the management, yeah. you know, kind of <laughs> aspect of it. So everything we're bashing on, you know, I'm a huge part of. So, But it's crazy. Yeah. You know, a lot of people sit there and go, man, he, I don't know why he's not shooting those. Why would anybody not shoot those? And Shoot, I'm one of the yeah. biggest ones out there, you know, shooting does and managing the herd and that kind of stuff. So it gets kind of comical at times the way people take it or perceive it, you know. They'll see it and think it's real, and it's just us being funny. But, yeah, it's yeah. all uh, – th- those those little things are all over Realtree social media. Uh, go follow their Instagram and Facebook accounts because they come across there. And download the Realtree 365 app because there's a bunch of it on there as well as a bunch of other great hunting shows and stuff. That Realtree 365 app is going to be about where you can find anything Realtree's doing right there other than, you know, the TV shows, which would be Realtree Outdoors and uh, Realtree Road Trips. But, you know, there's there's a lot of other great content that's going on this uh, 365 app that's going to be total, totally digital. So you'll be able to find a little bit of everything on there. Yep. Good deal. Um, well, I don't know if, especially this time of year, you you might be booked up, but might not need any new customers. But if, if there's anybody <laughs> out there looking to come to your bow shop or whatever, um, yeah. where do they need to go to do that? Yeah, they can uh, They can reach me. i got a little, little, little shop called What It Do Archery. And, uh, you know, if you're around this area locally or, you know, I, I have people ship bows to me, this and that. But, you know, uh, I, I really don't advertise much, so there's not any place you can go. But, you you know, my phone number is 706-523-0302. If you need some bow work, give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, Mike, we uh, we appreciate you coming on here, man. It was fun talking with you. Um, yeah. We'll have to do it again sometime. Absolutely, man, anytime.